Section 82 of Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Iceland, Greenland and the Search for the Poles. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jane Bennett. The World's Story, Volume 8. Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Iceland, Greenland and the Search for the Poles. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 82. How Eric the Red Came to Greenland, 983, by Dr. Isaac I. Hayes. Eric was a high-handed son of a Jarl, Earl, of Yadar, in Norway, who, opposing the encroachments of the king upon his feudal rights, in common with his class, was forced to flee the country. Escaping with his son, he established himself in Iceland, which was then being peopled by such refugees from tyranny and wrong, and a society was being formed, which, for love of liberty and the actual possession of republican freedom, has never been excelled. These Icelanders were then, and they continued to be for centuries afterwards, the most intellectual and refined people of the north of Europe, and this is not surprising, when it is remembered that the best blood of Norway and Denmark went to swell its population. In fact, Iceland gave literature and laws to the whole of Scandinavia. The child was wiser than the parent. Her writers first put in shape the Norse mythology, and many of the most distinguished families of Norway and Denmark are now proud to trace their origin back to the old freedom-loving Jarls and sea-kings who founded a nation upon a rock which had been forced up by terrestrial fires into an atmosphere so cold and forbidding that the snows gathered upon its lofty summits while volcanic heat wrestled in the bowels of its mountains. Eric received his surname of Red, or Rotha, from the colour of his hair, and his corresponding disposition doubled the significance of the name when it was made to signify he of the red hand as well as of the red head. The truth is, he was, according to all accounts, much addicted to the then popular pastime of cutting people's throats, and for his last offence of this description, he was banished from Iceland for a space of three years. The immediate offence was for killing a churlish knave, who would not return a borrowed doorpost, which was always a sacred object, and was preserved with pious care by the Scandinavians. Perhaps if the borrowed article had been a book instead of a doorpost, as in the case of fighting St. Columba, the decree might have been different. Being banished, where should Eric go? He could not return to Norway, and there was no place where he could set the sole of his foot with any safety. So he bethought him of the legendary land of Gunnabjorn, for, according to the Iceland Landnama, or Doomsday Book of Are the Wise, that was the name of the man who had visited the land to the west of Iceland. This land Eric would go in search of, and risk his life, and everything upon the hazard. He set sail from Bredifjord in Iceland, 
sometime during the summer of the year 983, in a small half-decked ship, and in three days he sighted land. Not altogether liking the looks of it, he coasted southward, until he came to a turning place, or Havath, now called Cape Farewell. Thence he made his way northward to the present site of Juliana Sharp, where he passed the three years of his forced exile. He liked the country well, as much as he had disliked it before, when he saw it from the other side. Upon the meadowlands, besides the fjord, immense herds of reindeer were browsing on the luxuriant grass. Sparrows chirruped among the branches of the little trees. He thought the place would do to settle in, and named it Greenland. But to be precise, as it is always well to be, I quote from an old Norse saga of the before-mentioned Are the Wise, a saga written in Iceland about the year 1100, the original of which was in existence up to 1651, and a copy of which is still preserved in Copenhagen. Thus runs the tale. The land which is called Greenland was discovered and settled from Iceland. Eric the Red was the man from Bredefjord, who passed thither from hence, Iceland, and took possession of that portion of the country, now called Eriksfjord. But the name he gave the whole country was Greenland, for, quoth he, if the land have a good name, it will cause many to come hither. He first colonised the land fourteen or fifteen winters before Christianity was introduced into Iceland, as was told by Thorkil Gelusen in Greenland, by one who had himself accompanied Eric thither. This Thorkil Gelusen was uncle to Are the Wise, and the historian was pretty likely, therefore, to be accurate in his information. Upon returning to Iceland, Eric was graciously received, and what with the fine name he had given to his new country, and the fine promises he held out, he had no trouble in obtaining all he asked for. That is, twenty-five ships loaded with adventurous people, and all the appliances for building up a colony. Thus provided, he set sail in the year 985, but only fourteen of these ships ever reached their destination. Some of the remaining eleven were lost at sea, others were wrecked upon the eastern coast of Greenland, others put back to Iceland in distress. Eric was resolved to found a nation for himself, and these fourteen cargoes of people gave him a sufficient nucleus. He went far up his fjord and began a settlement. A house was also built nearer to the sea, probably a lookout house, for Eric expected other ships, and he, like a prudent man that he was, would set a watch for them. The ruins of this house may still be seen, and are not five minutes' walk from the pastor's house at Juliana's Sharp. According to his expectations, other ships arrived, bringing cattle, sheep, and horses. Likewise, his wife and sons and daughters. The settlement grew and prospered. Norwegians, Danes, Icelanders, people from the Hebrides, from the British Isles, 
from Ireland and even from the south of Europe, came there in ships to trade. Emigrants poured in, new towns were built, new farms were cleared, and ambitious and adventurous men surged up and down the coast for other fields whereon to display their enterprise. How far north the most adventurous went we cannot certainly know. But Ranf places one of their expeditions in latitude 75 degrees, a point to which the stoutest ships of modern times cannot now go without encountering serious risk. And all this was ventured 800 years ago in half-decked ships and open boats. It is positively known that one of their expeditions reached as far as Uperanabi, latitude 7250, a stone having been discovered near there in 1824 by Sir Edward Parry, bearing the following inscription in runic characters. Erling Sivetson and Bjorn Thordason and Eindrid Odson on Saturday before Ascension Week raised these marks and cleared ground. 11.35. Think of clearing ground in Greenland up in latitude 72 degrees 50. What kind of ground would now be found to clear? Naked wastes alone, and the desert sands are not more unproductive. But as intimated already, the climate has certainly changed during the 700 years since this event happened, in evidence of which it is not unimportant to observe that in the old chronicles of the voyages of those ancient Northmen, there is very little mention made of ice as a disturbing element in navigation, and this brings us back to where we started, to the growth of glaciers in the Greenland fjords. From these glaciers come the icebergs, and a fjord which receives a glacier is not habitable. There was no glacier in Eric's fjord when Eric went there, and there are none now, but it is surrounded by them. The mountains are of such peculiar formation that they keep back the frozen flood from Eric's fjord itself, and thus it was that this spot of earth was and still is fit for human life. An oasis in a desert, a patch of green in a wilderness of ice. End of section 82